Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Listen here, you little shit. <laughs> What's wrong with that intro? It was lovely. It was lovely. Uh, the, the little jibe about hard-fought victories. <laughs> As I said in the uh, the all-in tour vlog, which you can see on Cultaholic's YouTube page right now, I went in, we went into the uh, press conference afterwards. It was... Hour 16 of me being at work, which is a foreign concept <laughs> yeah. to me. I was starting it was a to, long time, to be I, fair. I was starting to see colours that I did not know existed. I had <laughs> um, I had Jay Hunter and I had V1 behind me just cracking jokes with MJF's mum, and I was trying not to piss myself. Wow. Um, but they don't tell you who's coming, and Aiden and I had a thing where I had me slack open. I was like, right, Aiden, feed me questions. And he went, okay, got it. And Orange Cassidy comes out and I thought, he keeps it in kayfabe, I'll keep it in kayfabe with him. And also, I didn't know if I'd get a question in, so I thought, fuck it, go with anything. And I asked him like a, a pretty piss-weak question and put, yeah, congratulations on your half four victory. Aiden called me a gimp. But Tom Campbell, one person who I will not accept criticism of in this instance, is yourself. As when you spoke to Triple H, you couldn't get a word out because you'd spent the whole night cheering a fake sport. <laughs> So me I and mean, you, we're, we're equals. <laughs> yeah, all right. It's money for both dances. Uh, it's, a, it's a fair point, and it's very well made. 
That was a good time. Uh, no, all, all jokes aside, because you see, because we recorded a bank of classic Raw review episodes, this is the first time that Jackie Orlando have got together post All In mm. in the real timeline. So all jokes aside, genuinely, fair fucks. You had a great weekend, Clive Fox. Like I, everything that I saw, you, you had your debut on the news videos. You were all over it on the blog. You interviewed good people at Progress. You came so close to Davy Boy Smith's son that I genuinely feared for you. And us <laughs> as a whole, you had a lovely sit-down chat with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. Mate, you you smashed it. Well done. It was a good weekend because I sent you the picture of Jack and Davey Boy and you said, did you get a picture? And I was like, fuck no, he'd, he'd know. He'd just know. I, like, I, I, think my, I think my first instance, so if you haven't seen it yet, so obviously Jack Orlando was part of the all-in Wembley team. And Jack, the job I had a chat with, Davey Boy Smith Jr. You can hear that on the podcast feed right now and you can see a clip of it on the YouTube channel. But obviously... In the in the um, in the echo chamber that is the classic <laughs> raw review, I uh, I got my, my phone flashed on the Saturday and it was it was a photo that you'd sent of as you say Jack the Jobber next to Davy Boy Smith Jr. and I, and whilst I did ask if you got a photo, I do believe the first message I sent back was shit shit run. <laughs> Oh, I wanted to run. Um, <laughs> I'm I I have to say, knowing you the way I know you. Your cheeks must have been fucking crimson. I was just, I was just there, just like, don't make eye contact. Just pretend you're part of the crew. Hold cables. Uh, pretend to be directing traffic. Whatever. Don't stare in the eyes of this man who could batter you and whose dad, who is a national and international treasure, you spent the past two years taking the piss off for his poor business acumen. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like, and I don't know. I'm speaking. I might be speaking bollocks. I kind of feel like, had I been, had I been there with you and. And, and maybe they said, oh, Tom, can you chat to Harry Smith? I I don't know. Part of me thinks I'd have just gone, fuck it. If we're going down, we're going down in a blaze of glory. I'm going to lean into it. That's because you're an agent of chaos. That's why. There is, that is because I'm an agent of chaos, to be fair. I, I was I, I was too busy back here anyway, booking the matches for AEW. <laughs> yeah, fuck me. Grado and Jeff Jarrett. When, when it happened, when I was in there, I sat there and I was like, by gum, he's only gone and bloody done it. <laughs> And it was, I, I was, um, it was unbelievable. Sat here as Grado came out and had his moment with Jeff Jarrett. And then to follow that on a couple of days later, there's Jeff Jarrett on my world going, gotta hand it to Tom Campbell. I'm like, what, what, what multiverse are we in today? This is, this is silly. It, it, it was a weekend that made me realise that wrestling is tiny. For, for, for a, a gang of gobshites based in the Northeast to basically not be at the epicenter, but orbiting the epicenter of the biggest wrestling show of all time. I was like, wrestling is really small. Or we are incredibly powerful. Well, there is that, of course. <laughs> Did you? I, I understand that you got Clive Fuck shouted at you quite a bit. Yeah, a few a few people came up and said hello, Clive Fuck, and I was like, this is weird. <laughs> in in a beautiful way, obviously, because I we, we were Jack the Jobber, and Jack was getting. Not mobbed, but at one point we were trying to get food and people were stopping him. And I just took the piss and put my finger in my, in my ear. I was like, we need to move the president now, lads. We need to move the president now. 
But yeah, a few, a few people coming up to me, and um, I can't remember who it was. Someone DM me saying, "Oh, I just saw you walking past, but you were eating you were eating noodles, and I didn't want to interrupt you." And I was like, "It would have been fine." And someone else messaged Jack and I saying, "Oh, you were outside the ho- uh, the hotel, but you're on your phone, so I didn't want to interrupt you." But everyone that we spoke to was an absolute sweetheart, and um, the, your your plan kind of half worked as well because Sean watched. Um, I can't remember if it was the the vlog or if it was the Dave Meltzer interview and she watched it on youtube and she went i'm gonna look at the comments and i went i'm not looking at them you look at them whatever and she was like you should tell me the nice ones and one of them just says jackie orlando bring back my son and i was like oh for fuck's sake <laughs> that was an instruction that i gave ahead of wembley yeah just for people to shout jackie orlando bring back my son so uh, yeah, and it was one last bit before we actually get into the the the, the ins and outs of it. And we're in no rush. An eggless weekend. I know. It was. I, I, you were ready. To, you were ready to go to. And I think I said this to Math. I think that you kept talking in the office about wanting to go to go to Egg Slut yes. in London, which mm-hmm. I thought like knowing the amount of bullshit that you and I speak, that sounds like somewhere we've made up. Hmm. So I de- so when you when they kept saying egg slut, I assumed it was a, an egg flavored restaurant called something else. But no, it's actually called egg slut. Actually, egg slut. So on the the Saturday morning, yeah, the Saturday morning, we got news out of the way, and obviously news is going to take a while to edit. And I I'm I'm a guy who I always need some time by myself, just like wandering around. I just went right, lads. If we've got a spare hour, I'm fucking off to Shoreditch. I want to get a record. I want to get. Uh, some bits from Uniqlo because I'm predictable like that. And while I was there for, ooh, Egg Slut's here, I'll walk to Egg Slut. Get there. The road's fucking cordoned off and there's tons of police. And I was like, oh, they, they knew it was coming. Um, <laughs> I didn't find out what had happened, but it looked quite serious. I even did a lap to see if there was like another way into the road. No, completely taped off. I'm going to have to check. Have you, have, you, have you done a Google News search for Egg I haven't, Slut? no, no. I'm going to egg slut murders. In, yeah, Shoreditch way. Um, Shoreditch egg slut murders. So I went and got a, a bagel instead and then made my way back and I was like, I've had no eggs, but I've had a nice bagel, so that's all right. <laughs> no, no, okay. Sadly, no news regarding the the series of murders or the raid at egg sluts. <laughs> you say sadly, surely no news is good news. <laughs> <laughs> there sadly, is that, people haven't be been confirmed dead. Um but yeah, it was, uh, putting it was... Them in, they put them in egg bagels, like some sort of weird version of Sweetie Todd. Oh, that'd be great. But it was, uh, it was a really good weekend. I got back on the Monday and Sean was at work. When she came back, I just had my hoodie on, sat on the couch and I couldn't talk. She was like, ah, you're all right. And I was like, hello. She's like, you okay? And I was like, oh, I'm just taking a minute. <laughs> I was like, I'll just, I'll just be a minute. <laughs> Ooh, I just sat there quietly for a bit and then like kind of snapped out of it and I was all right. Was your social battery completely flat? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's that. We get that. Even Alex and I just go social. We, we, we had a wedding this past weekend and we both got back on Sunday night and we're like, do you want to go for a drink? And she went, no, social batteries to done now. I was like, I, I'm with you. So I, the social battery thing is real. 
Yeah. And I can imagine you yours, how, how, you not being used to doing that sort of thing for mm. Goldaholic. I can imagine it was a shock to the system, but uh, I hope we get to see you do it again because you were fucking good. Oh, you. Thank you. And true. And, and nothing. And, and I know you don't look at the comments, but I can reassure you, as Sean can, there's the, all love in the room for Jackie Orlando. Well, I had to, I had to break my Twitter posting ban as well because. Um, you'd posted, you know, the titans of the industry, myself, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, and there's some nice comments, so I replied to them. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying not to post on Twitter. I'm, I'm seeing stuff and I'm just like, right, I'll next time I have to pop on, I'll I'll respond. But I'm trying to be more of a wrestling a wrestling, wrestling observer yeah 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 <laughs> and i met dave Meltzer's wife as well and i thought afterwards i thought oh i should have ripped him about his dirty ass office so she'd have been like yeah too right but I, uh, oh no, you would have been gold but hey that's for next time now hmm. you've established a rapport yeah that's for next time you can dig into the office one of the yeah. comments on the video, and I don't know if you saw it, whether Sean read it to you, described your chat with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, which you can watch on the YouTube channel right now at Cultaholic, as the best pure interview Cultaholic's ever done. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll take that. That's very generous. Mm. Thank you. In the same way that I think Billy Gunn is the best pure athlete in the World <laughs> Wrestling Federation. <laughs> take it that way if you wish. I will take it that way. May I give a slightly more a slightly more boring update before we get into the rigors of this week's show? Please do. Okay. Remember last time we spoke, uh, I had my tooth was broken. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's fine now. Not because I went to the dentist. I think it was maybe the day after we recorded that watch along for Buried Alive that I woke up and went, "Oh, I feel like it's slotted back into place. I can't seem to feel it." Oh wait, no. It appears that in the night, uh, the tooth, the chunk of tooth that was loose has come completely off the gum and I've swallowed it. Good. Uh, so that's sorted now. Problem solved. Did, did, you, did you panhandle your poo like an old prospector <laughs> to try and find it? <laughs> I did consider that. And I'm sorry to report, you're not the first person to suggest I should, quote, panhandle my poo to retrieve my tooth. <laughs> It's uh, we're both in the wards. I've had p- pins and needles again in my entire left side for about a week. And I went to the doctors yesterday and they were like, is it hurt? I was like, no, but it's a bit concerned. They're like, all right, we'll book you in for a neck scan. And straight away in my head, I was like, cool. I'm like perk angle. I'm going into my perk <laughs> angle here and now. So is it still, are you still pins and needling? Just pins and needling. No pain, but it's just completely tingly. I'm Ooh. so washed out on this as well. I'm like, I'm like Uncle Fester, but yeah. <laughs> I wonder what that is then. Let's speculate on illnesses. That I, always I, ends well, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I've just trapped a nerve, but I, I had this the other year where I had it in both arms and I thought, if this is going to be a kind of recurring thing, I want to get it nipped in the bud. Yeah, I get, yeah. yeah. And so they're going to look at your neck, so maybe it could start in your neck. Yeah, hopefully. Get, get, a, get a pneumatic neck put on. So. A <laughs> pneumatic neck. That's probably not doing me any favours, like, but... I'm excited to call you the bionic scouser at some point. Ooh, that would be beautiful. A bionic scouser, Jackie Orlando. <laughs> right, bionic scouser. <laughs> pre bionic, pre bionic. Um, one, one from the mailbag this week. Classicacultaholic.com. If you'd like to say hi. Hello, lads. Uh, this comes from John Eiley. Hey, hello, John. Hello, John. Um, on Raw Review 180, you asked the question about why drop kicks hurt more when missed. Yes, and that we did. Uh, I've heard somewhere that the reason is when the drop kick connects, it gives the kicker. 
a chance to control their landing, adjust their fall, and be able to land safely. However, if the kicker has nothing to connect with and just hits air, they lose balance and trajectory, and therefore can't control their landing, so when they hit the mat, it hurts them more. Loving the, fo- loving the podcasts as always. Thank you, John. Thank you, there John, you the keeper of kayfabe. I mean, he is the keeper of kayfabe <laughs> now. He keeps it in a big castle uh, with, a, with a moat. So, I mean, there is, there is kayfabe-scented logic to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, it would suggest that, you know, that by landing your feet onto the person, it gives you time to recover. I can buy, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Yeah, I'll accept that. That's fine. <laughs> 10 on 10. Uh, classic at cultaholic.com if you'd like to say hi. Uh, we're going back to, uh, I haven't written the date on my notes, but is it the 21st or 22nd of October? 21st. 21st of October. Number one movie in the UK is The Nutty Professor still. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the US, number one movie is Sleepers. Do you remember Sleepers? I know the name. Uh, is it Robert Redford? No. Uh, it is uh, Kevin Bacon. Brad Pitt, Robert De Niro, Dustin Hoffman, Minnie Driver, um, Jeffrey Widger, and Billy Crudup. Billy now, Crudup, yeah. Billy Crudup, Crudup. Yeah. The title of the movie is a slang, is slang for juvenile delinquents who serve sentences longer than nine months. And it's the movie which sees a prank go disastrously wrong and a group of boys sent to a detention center in which they are brutalized. 13 years later, an unexpected random encounter with a former guard gives them a chance for revenge no more spoilers you can watch the film yourself so it, it sounds like a more palatable version of scum basically it kind of does doesn't <laughs> yeah. it the macarena still number one in the Jesus. fucking u.s still going uh number one in the uk though Boyzone with their cover of the bg song words oh it's only words that was a perfect Ronan Keaton, I think you'll find. It's like he was in the room. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan crossed with Kermit the Frog, Ronan Keaton. <laughs> God love him. British magazine Music Week rated Boyzone's version of words three out of five. Just when everyone has readied themselves for Boyzone's ascent to mega stardom, they go and release their worst single to date. It will still be a massive hit, but this cover of the Bee Gees song is terribly uninspired. The the Louis Walsh helmed Irish boy bands of the 90s, he was just obsessed with a ballad, wasn't he? Loved it. Loves a ballad. Bloody loves a ballad, that boy does. And, uh, and and this ballad did do very well as it's number one in the charts, but it wasn't critically acclaimed. No. Oh, well, they made all the money. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the day before, uh, Fox broadcast its first ever World Series, which was oh, won cool. by the Yankees the, for the 23rd time. Uh, they beat the Atlanta Braves in only six games. So there you go. The Fox are showing the World Series. And congratulations to America, who once again wins the World Series. It's, oh, I think every year they win, America. Fantastic. And I'm a, I'm a man who likes baseball, but even the idea of it being called the World Series does piss me off. <laughs> I'm pissed off by the idea of it being called baseball. It's clearly rounders. <laughs> two hands, though. Two hands. Rounders is one. Well, argue. Oh, in that case, rounders is better. Yeah, yeah. More skill in rounders. Tough Come on, the rounders. America! <laughs> Come on! Less steroids in rounders. Oh, it's, uh, not many. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly any steroids in rounders. Depends who you're playing against. 
Oh, oh Mickey oh. Bully Beef, King of the Rounders. Mickey Bully Beef. <laughs> as as uh, as we're talking, Jackie Orlando is reaching uh, as if as, as if he is helping somebody across the Nile. I was I was changing the lighting because I looked really ill and it was starting to bother me. <laughs> you did lovely. Oh, I do now. Oh, you do now, I suppose. Yeah. So that's all that's happening in the boring real world in October of 1996. But here is Jackie Orlando, Clive Fuck, to Clive Fuck his way through the Wrestling Observer for this week. So this uh, edition of the Wrestling Observer, dated October 28th, 1996, Dave Meltzer gave me his personal copy when we were hanging out. I was like, Dave, uh... have, have you got that with you? And he wheeled in his... <laughs> giant filing cabinet full of shite and I was like uh, there you go I was like nice one I felt like Dave Meltzer would have like a sack magique that's like the same size that has everything in it imagine what you'd keep in that <laughs> there'd probably be like some wrestlers we'd forgotten about like Blitzkrieg in there or something like that <laughs> That's where Blitzkrieg's be. He's, he's been stuck in Dave Meltzer's magic bag of shit <laughs> Dave Meltzer's magic bag of shite. What's in there? Who knows? Just take the trip and delve inside this sack like a tip. Um, So it's it's a weird edition of The Observer because there's not that many stories, but the main story, which is also the story that underpins today's episode of Raw, is a chunky one. Um, Because Bret Hart has... Spoilers for the episode coming. He's agreed a new contract with the World Wrestling Federation. Apparently, it was a 20-year deal. I think we'll find out in hindsight. Was it always 20-year or was it 10-year? I remember it like it being a long one anyway. And then Vince McMahon obviously regrets this at some point. But as Dave's put here, I'm, I'm go- I've tried to go through it and get rid of some of the melts at ease and just leave the, the prime bits. But there might be like a moment or two where I've just got a scan ahead saying, no, 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 there's still some absolute jazz scat in here. I bet you didn't even call him up on his jazz writing when you saw him. No, I didn't. We Coward! Only, we only had 20 minutes and it was early and they both looked very tired, but switched it on as soon as they sat down. Dave Meltzer was very Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez was just... He's, he's got a good voice, Brian Alvarez, and hearing it in the flesh, he's like, oh, that is good, Brian, that is good. Um, so as a, my close personal friend, no, as, as Melters put here, Hart was the subject of the biggest bin war in the history of pro wrestling. He turned down an offer from WCW, uh, and as we'll hear later in Raw, he'll acknowledge it and praise WCW for the way they handled negotiations. WWF had asked him over the weekend to dramatically rip up his WCW contract on air um, in retaliation for Medusa throwing the women's title in the bin. But Brett was like, I'm not doing that. I'm, no, I'm Brett Hart. I'm a, I'm a sportsman. I'm a jam-up guy. I'm friends of El Dandy, all that stuff. <laughs> so at the time of publishing here, the terms of Hart's new contract with WWF weren't known for certain, but it was believed it was the deal amounts to slightly less than $3 million a year guaranteed over the first three years, and a lesser amount uh, for the remaining 17 years. So Brett's basically thinking, I've got three years left of me run. And then after that, either a backstage role or an on-screen authority role, whatever. Um, so yeah, he, he'll say like, uh, I'll be with the WWF for life. It's believed the total figure amounts to somewhere between $11 million and $14 million over the length of the contract. 
Hart has made it clear he didn't want to wrestle past his prime as most of the major superstars in wrestling end up doing, particularly since he's been outspoken about Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. Uh, Hart is also well known for being, well, the opposite of extravagant when it comes to lifestyle, so he should be easily set for life, and in some ways it's an amazing story for someone who, not all that many years ago during the drug era, seemed destined to be a very talented mid-card performer. So, as we've gone over in previous episodes, they've been back and forth, and Brett was like, I might want to do some acting, despite I'm not very good or charismatic, Um, or he was like, I might go with WCW because it's an easier life but i'd have to be with some people i don't like um so he had largely decided after apparently changed his mind twice in the week to go to the wwf after meeting with vince mcmahon on october 10th vince flew out to calgary made the deal uh but apparently nothing was decided until the sunday night brett had told friends he was going back to the wwf after the meeting with vince but had his own list of stipulations he wanted mcmahon to agree to that mcmahon hadn't gotten back to him about uh as of october 15th and when Vince wasn't getting back, Brett was like, ah, perhaps I better go to WCW after all. But Vince got in touch on the 16th, agreed to what Brett wanted, and uh, appeared once again in the WWF camp. But he was going to let Eric Bischoff pitch him one last time that evening. So he was like, right, everything's sorted with WWF. I'm just going to listen to this just in case. So the pitches ended up continuing back and forth until Sunday night which as we know was a fucking pay-per-view night so Vince must have been tearing his hair out <laughs> Bret Hart was in San Jose over the weekend for a Neil Young benefit show of course and he his, was <laughs> and as late as after the uh, after Buried Alive he was still entertaining offers not only from Bischoff and McMahon but was also called by Kevin Nash and Scott Hall with the outsiders apparently attempting him to convince him to join WCW they told him they loved working there the travel schedule is easy on their family life you know hitting the buttons that you'd want to hit to get Bret Hart in so Bischoff faxed his last WCW contract offer to San Jose and was somewhat confident as late as Saturday night that he was still going to pull the deal out even after the WWF had plugged Hart's appearance on Raw. So uh, those closer situations seemed to doubt that if Hart had actually taken the Bischoff offer that he'd uh, agree to be on Raw. Um, WWF must have taken it that way because on the previous week's Raw, so on the, um, again, I'm trying not to get less, lost in the Melchery's, but in the go-home show before Buried Alive, there was no mention of Hart appearing live. Whereas in the weeks leading up to it, like, Bret Hart's going to be on Raw. Bret Hart's going to be on Raw. Then one week, they're just like, not saying anything. And then they were like, ah, Bret Hart's going to be on Raw. So, sources close to Bischoff said that Bischoff had nothing but good things to say about how Hart handled himself in the negotiations. I felt it was very classy how he handled it on television. Um, The thing with the WCW deal... They were saying it was guaranteed $2.8 million per year over three years, broken down initially to eight hundred grand a year, maximum of 180 total dates as a pro wrestler, and two movie deals per year at a minimum $1 million per movie with Turner, Time Warner Corporation. So as we know with WCW, Hall and Nash have favoured nations. So apart from Hogan, if anyone gets paid more than them, they have it in their claws that they get bumped up. So WCW, to try and circumnavigate this, would have tried to run his contract this way through Turner Movies. So therefore, as a wrestler, he's not getting paid more than Hall and Nash. So therefore, they don't have to shell out an extra $5 million a year for the outsiders. So they've been oh, clever. Oh, that's a, an interesting little tactic. So no, he's not, a, he's not on a wrestler's contract. He is a movie star. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> um, doing research for some other things 
reading into WCW's finances, it's when you're trying to find out about the losses and the profits they made, it's weird because they filtered it through different revenue streams to make certain elements of um, Time Warner look good and other bits to kind of, you know, hide the negatives and that. But it's this kind of financial gymnastics is prevalent in WCW. Um, So there is some speculation that Shawn Michaels got a a similar type of clause in his WWF deal. Um, So, which is why Hart's structure of his contract may also not call for a huge guarantee for wrestling. And a lot of the guarantee may be figured in other ways. On Sunday night, Hall agreed to waive that contractual clause as a way for Bischoff to increase the offer to Hart. So Hall's basically gone, don't worry, I won't like demand more money if you need to bring in Bret Hart. If you bring in Bret Hart, we've won, basically. So, try to get through the chunk there, but that's what has been going on with Bret Hart. In slightly other news, there's another interesting key to this story, according to Meltzer. One of the things that Hart had complained about in the past that could stand in his way of going to WCW was Hulk Hogan, because he's still fuming with Hogan for being a dick at WrestleMania 9. We know that wrestling is real to Hart, but at the same time, Hogan treated him like a twat, and you, you would be angry about that. So apparently in the final negotiations, McMahon talked to Hart about potentially both Hogan and Savage coming back to WWF when their WCW contracts expire in late 96. Vince suggested it was possible or even suggested more than possible that one or both of them could come back. Um, But apparently um, Brett was like, yeah, fine, whatever, I don't care. You know, I'm Brett Hart, whatever. There is no question as things stand right now that there is a lot of concern in WCW camp about Hogan and Savage leaving together and taking their unresolved top angle with them and maybe taking a couple of their friends, brackets Elizabeth and the Giant, to WWF. McMahon's willingness to guarantee money and in particular guarantee the amount it took to get heart has to whet the appetite for both Hogan and Savage as far as being top names without a contract and the recipients of a bidding war. So, that's the chunky story out the way. We got there. Don't worry, friends. We got there. So I mean... It's it's an exciting couple of days if you're Bret Hart. Like, right to the wire this went. Uh, uh, so the idea that they there would have been an issue... I, imagine if he'd signed with WCW. There's no way Vince would have let him on Raw for this episode. No. 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 He'd have gone, get out, you're done. Oh, no. no. No way would he give him that chance to say goodbye. Definitely no. not. That'd be, that'd be daft, which is probably why it does actually explain, when we get into it, it does explain some of Vince's reactions to yeah. the Brett spiel later, which we will touch on later. Mm. Um, but it does explain a lot. Um, I, a rare moment of, of, of solidarity with Scott Hall going, I won't ask for more money like I agreed uh, if, you, if you need to spend more money to get Brett Hart's in. Yeah, I noticed it was Hall that said that, not Nash or Hogan. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> that's that's worth observing. That it was them that even that said it, and not those two. Uh, Brett being signed to Turner was this not what happened with Nash and Hall in the end? Potentially, um, I know there was, like I said, there was a lot of this kind of financial gymnastics at play in WCW throughout its tenure, basically. So if like Bischoff and say what you want about Bischoff and trust his opinion how you like he would say sometimes that WCW when it was crap was actually doing better than was what was reported but their 
positive gains were filtered through the sports division or through something else to make their bottom line look better and increase advertising output. You know, that kind of stuff. It was like, we'll take it from there. They're still fine, but we'll put it over here so this looks better so we can bring in more. So it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I know Goldberg, I think, will get one of those kind of deals in a few years um, for an astronomical amount of money and they'll probably just be like, yeah, time one, put it through there. And I know at the end, I think a lot of the WCW contracts will go through there because my clairvoyant powers are saying there's going to be some kind of invasion, but n- apart from DDP and Booker T, no fucker of note comes in for two years. <laughs> Your clairvoyant powers are correct. And mm. I think, and, and which is why I think maybe this is probably where that starts to happen, yeah. where they use that, that thing more and more. But yeah, what a time for Bret Hart. What a time to be Bret Hart to make as much money from the highest bidder. And I'm sure he'll find his own fun way to celebrate on Raw tonight. Was that the main story from The Observer this week? That was the main story. And we've got like four tiny little bits and then we can get into it. So more WWF news. Akam Albrecht is in camp already and he hates taking bumps. So they have put a mattress in the ring for him to learn the moves on. So that's Brackus going, don't like these bumps. They're the the earth. So looking forward to seeing him. He does not like the sort of guy that's going to take many bumps in Vince's company. No, because he's the size of a mule. He's huge. (laughs) He's like a Gary Stridham-esque figure as a wrestler. But German? I want to say he's German. He is Maybe Austrian. Yeah. German slash Austrian. He's like Gunter, but if you take all the good stuff away... Yes, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, I think go for it. We watched The Little Mermaid the other night, so I believe like if Ursula had put a spell on Gunter in order for him to go to land, uh, he would end up like Brackus, <laughs> taking away you, all his special skills. Did you watch the live action or the cartoon? The live action one. How is it? Because I've only liked one of the live action Disneys, and that was Jungle Book. I thought, oh, the Jungle Book one's really good. I thought the live action one was 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 lovely. I thought there was the, some nice new songs in there. I thought the the parts were played really well. I feel like people shat on it for a lot unnecessarily. I think the big issue that we found was that some of the bigger characters from the cartoon didn't really resonate in the same way because it was live action. We're talking mm. about Sebastian and Flounder. Um, yeah. Because they were very lifelike creatures, so you didn't have like the big persona that you could give them. You're very limited in how you'd animate a crab's face without it not looking like a crab anymore. Yeah. Which was which was the bit that I think we we, we couldn't get we couldn't subscribe to. But I thought it was I thought it was still a very enjoyable film. I thought okay. it told a nice story. I thought um, Hal Berry, who played um, Ariel, was wonderful. Yeah. Perfectly played. I thought Melissa McCarthy as Ursula was, was a wonderful casting. I That was the only bit of casting I had issue with was Melissa McCarthy. Not anything about Melissa McCarthy. It's just the fact that the original Ursula is based on Divine and it's meant to be a drag queen. So I thought in this age, obviously... It's more of a hot topic now for some stupid fucking reason. But for me, Ursula should always be a drag artist. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And, and maybe maybe it should have been. But I thought Melissa did all right with it. Mm. I thought she did. There's a lovely cameo in there where there's a market stall scene and somebody... Uh, what was it that happened? Somebody gives Ariel a fork, I think, in the market. And the person working the market stall is the woman that voiced the original Ariel. Oh, very nice. That's a nice little nod, a little tip of the hat to, to what came yeah. before, which I thought was very, very nice. 
I enjoyed Very it immensely. Nice. We watched that and then we got caught up on our only murders in the building. So it was a good night for the night. Well, talking of uh, things going on under the sea, um, Jake Roberts was supposed to appear at a Take Back Our Streets campaign in October 16th in Melbourne, Florida. But he was under the sea. He, he was under the sea. <laughs> this, I don't know if this was real or an amazing excuse, but if it is real, then I feel bad for laughing at it. But if it's an excuse, this is amazing. So Jake the Snake was meant to be at this campaign in Florida. He wasn't there. And they announced he had flown back home because one of his kids had been stung by a bee and it got <laughs> infected. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh, but it doesn't sound real. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I gotta go. Stung by a bee. What's Jim Brunzel doing in my house? <laughs> Stop jumping. <laughs> New cushions, then. Uh, <laughs> for the people that brought you, my horse is sick. <laughs> so, Terry, how's your horse? Um, two little bits of WCW news. One of them isn't news, but it's made me giggle with hindsight. So, in this week. In October 1996, TNT just started airing a new commercial with Sting as the star of WCW, which pretty much says he'll end up as the WCW focal top babyface. In Dave's words, after all these years of trying to push him in that position with it never with it never working, you'd think it might be time to give someone else a shot. This is just before we go into 1990-fucking-7 with Sting <laughs> as the biggest baby face in all of wrestling in the hottest angle of all time. Hmm. Plans change? Hindsight is a funny thing. Yeah. Plans change, yeah. Dave. Plans change. Yeah. Admittedly, so one... I kind of see where he was coming from with that because obviously he was yeah. seen with Sting and Luger in 96 and whilst he's seen as like a WCW stalwart, you never, they never really, they haven't really pitched him up against Hogan yet. No. And, and he's just sort of in there with Nash and Hall and, and, and on the receiving end of a shoe-in more often than not. So I kind of get where Dave's coming from with that one. Yeah, I, I like the fact that he's been, again, like we we're saying, with hindsight, but these early weeks of imposter sting and sting getting pushed out, and he's like, oh, don't know if this is going to work. And it's like, well, history will prove that you're very wrong here, Dave. This is going to work like absolute gangbusters, but we weren't in know at the time. Something we did know at the time uh, is that the leprechaun gimmick was shite and uh, Buddy Lee Parker has dropped it and is now jackboot. Believe it or not, some group complained about WCW's gimmick being a negative portrayal of leprechaun, so they dropped the gimmick. Really. That's according to Dave. I can believe it. I can believe it. And now he's jackboot. Which... When I hear the term jackboot, I think of the SS. I don't know about you. <laughs> I, I, so. My first thought, honestly, was, oh, it rhymes with jackfruit. <laughs> yeah, you can tell that I speak too much to Aidan Gibbons when I'm just like straight to World <laughs> War II. We did a whole bit on the on the main podcast on Friday about the Blitz. I mean, Ross Ross said the words Blitz Spirit with AEW. I saw it, yeah. the I saw of it the on Blitz. Cl- I saw it on Instagram and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Our little wrestling federation has become canon. <laughs> Horrifying the power that we have, sir. Horrifying. 
but uh, the horror is over because that's all the news. Oh, the horror is just beginning. Let's go into Monday Night Raw uh, for October 21st, 1996. Uh, we start with a video package of Bret Hart leaving the WWF in early 96. It, the way that it's painted in this video package is that Bret Hart loses his match at WrestleMania 12, walks to the back, puts a hat on, and gets in his car and drives off. <laughs> Like, still in his tights, but puts a hat on. They're like, Brett, you book for tomorrow. And he's like, I don't care. Don't care, bye. <laughs> Where are you going, Brett? I don't know. The, hotel, the hotel's that way. I don't care. That's a field, Brett. <laughs> Just driving through a cornfield. Can't believe I lost my merch. What is that all about? <laughs> Uh, Bret Hart is returning to Raw tonight and he will set the record straight on his future. Uh, this video package merges into one hyping up the return of the most perfect intercontinental champion of all time, Mr. Perfect. He's facing Hunter Hearst Helmsley later this evening in our main event. Surely you can't be the most perfect. You're either perfect or you're not. Yeah. It's like unique. Yeah, exactly. Just putting that out it's- there, Jerry Lawler. Yeah, he, he, he can be the, the most good champion, but you can't be the most perfect. <laughs> he is the most good intercontinental champion it, of all it's time. Good, it's good that my lexicon is so advanced, you know, being a writer and everything. <laughs> Very well there, mate. So good. There's there's yes. the, the XWF uh, DVD that I've watched where they have a little profile of Mr. Perfect. They go... He's formerly known as Mr. Perfect. Kurt Hennig is exactly what he says he is. He is awesome. (laughs) It's not what he says, mate. (laughs) Mike Awesome trading in the background. He's like, oh, fuck. I've got to become Mike Perfect now. (laughs) I can't live up to that. At least with Awesome, there was some wiggle room. (laughs) Mike decent. (laughs) Mike quite good. <laughs> my 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 uh, go-to promotion whenever I would play um, EWR was PGW, which was pretty good wrestling. Nice. There's no pressure in that, is there? Pretty good wrestling. Pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's not great. It's not. It's not awful. It's pretty good. UK Undertaker on the card, obviously. Uh, obviously, yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> main event, mate. <laughs> but much cheaper than the actual Undertaker. <laughs> What a why. Uh, pyro goes off, and then we see the skivvies very quickly removing the pyro. Raw, as Raw in general has become so good and so annoyingly polished in the last 10 years that you very rarely see these little moments. So it's nice to see one here. Yeah, because I've, I've gone waxed lyrical on this podcast before about I don't like the slickness of WWE. I like it for WWE, but in terms of, like, I say, wrestling general i like it a bit more rough around the edges because it feels dangerous the show is called raw for god's sake like, yeah welcome to raw it's like when, it's like when uh, noah's arcade bought wayne's world nowadays. oh god yeah gelatinous cube eats village i love it um <laughs> <laughs> so sid walks out once the skivvies have removed the pyro he's in our opening match he looks fucking sweaty and massive as always he is drenched i had to rewind this because he's doing his fist bumps and he fist bumps a kid and then shakes his head and a load of like just liquid comes off him at first i thought someone had cracked him in the head of a drink so i had to rewind it i was like oh no he's just he's just really wet 
He's absolutely soaking. It's a ridiculous... It's not the fact that, like, we know wrestlers will throw, you know, a bottle of water over their hair before they go out. But for some reason, when he's walked, it's not fallen off him. It's like it's just weighted there, like rain on top of a canopy. And just the second he's moved, it's gone whoosh. Weird, man. It's 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 such unique... Yeah, like you say, it's just such unique rain droplets on yeah. Sid. Like, he controls a weird gravity that doesn't quite let them settle until he explodes them. <laughs> from his personage like because in my head i go how has he got that wet in that consistency is it just it does he just work up a sweat before he goes out so is it sweat which is grim um mm. does he stand in the shower just yes yeah. sh- right off we go um uh, does he just get someone to hose him before he walks out oh i can imagine that yeah someone lob a bucket at him yeah one of those back Owen backstage with one of his famous cheeky ribs. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a funny man, but he's up ribbing backstage tonight because Owen Hart is Sid's opponent in our Ooh. opening contest. Sid overpowers him from the off, and Owen considers taking a powder, but he counters a backdrop and gets a nice missile drop kick and a clothesline to send Sid out of the ring. And just as Sid's getting back to his feet. Here he comes! First appearance of the night for the British Bulldog! Fucking lightly jogging. It's a dad run, I thought. He does a dad run. He's just like, oh, bloody hell, what now, what now? And he comes out and he's like, right, Sid, I'm having you. Goes to punch him, Sid blocks it and twats him. And he's like, oh, nice one, Davey. Thanks for turning up. Davey, Davey did the, I've got to get back to the car before because I could see the, the meter man coming towards it. Uh, type run. Gets throttled by Sid. But then Owen sees the, sees the opportunity using his mate as basically a, a, a cannon fodder and chop blocks Sid in all of the chaos. And with that, we go to break. The match is continuing, but Sid has been hurt. We have an oh. advert for the Super... Oh, go on. I was going to say, before we go, like, before we go to break... He chop blocks him, and Davey gets some boots in right in front of the referee who doesn't DQ him. And who's the referee, Tom? Would that be Mr. E.H.? It's E.H. It's L. fucking Hebner again. <laughs> Cock. <laughs> but yes, we, we go through, we go through an ad break. I just had to get in that. I had to vent the spleen at Earl once again. It's the advert we get for the Superstar line, which is Doc Hendricks voicing it going, World Wrestling Federation Superstar Line is open 24 hours a day. I was like, Jesus, Hendrix, coming out, coming out hot on this commercial for the Superstar Line. <laughs> he's just in the back and he's got a pen like this and he's just waving it in front of his face. <laughs> no, if he's got a if he's got a thick felt pen, he's not waving it in front of his face. I don't think. I think he's had a good sniff of it. Going, well, that's what I was saying to get oh. the fumes, but you're thinking he's he's actually just jamming it right up his nose and into his frontal quarter. <laughs> Here we go! Um, Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, I've just coloured the back of my eyeballs black. <laughs> <laughs> and now I can smell the colours. Jim Ross on the Superstar line is uh, is reveals more about Bret Hart, if I remember correctly. Uh I got no uh, reveals why Sid will win the belt. Why Sid will win the belt. Apologies. I think I've, mm. I wrote I wrote talks about Brett, but I think I might have been half asleep as I wrote talks about Brett. <laughs> but he does indeed say, why does Sid? Why is Sid going to win the belt? And I'd like to think that he says, why does Sid win the belt? And he, you wait seven minutes for Jim Ross to go, because he's massive. <laughs> Thanks for calling. He's just dead big and wet. No one can grab him. <laughs> he's, he's so pliant. 
It's like trying to hold a very wet sponge. It's like trying to capture a frog. It's like a f- <laughs> Nobody can put a move on Sid. He's just too wet. It's just just very porous. It's 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 a great tactic, if anything. It's a it's a that's what's made him a success story. In, yes. throughout the years back from break and Owen is just working over Sid's leg he does it until Sid starts to somewhat psycho up he's climbing to his feet as Owen's putting the, the, the boots and the punches in he gets a choke slam goes for a powerbomb but here comes fucking Bulldog again and I, <laughs> I love Bulldog who chooses not to hit him from behind but bounce off the ropes first and then hit a close slam <laughs> He's like, you you get off our Owen there, um, <laughs> but then and Sid, and Sid just watches him run towards him. Yeah, he's like, come on then, <laughs> shit else. Let's see what you can do. <laughs> the chokes, but before he went for the power power bomb, I was power bomb. About that. before he went for the power bomb, the choke slam Sid hit on Owen. It was gorgeous. Owen made him look like a billion dollars here, but. Uh, no, Davey was like, no, no, but I still want to be champion. If Owen loses, I might not be champion anymore. No. <laughs> Can I win the main event of Survivor Series, please? I want to survive. <laughs> please. <laughs> I've heard the loser gets 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 shot, and I don't want that to be me. <laughs> Out of a cannon like at the circus. <laughs> scared of heights and clones. It would be an awful day for me. How do they all fit in that car? It's a, it's an affront to God. <laughs> <laughs> I hope one day my son hears the way that they're talking about me in the future. <laughs> and as a fucking word. I'm sure he'll have a calm temperament and be a really nice fella. <laughs> and I think he'll name me as one of his seven best wrestlers. <laughs> It was about 15. It was <laughs> oh, bless him. Maybe maybe Bulldog Jr. would enjoy this podcast. It was, yeah, it was good. Because, yeah, again, going back to All In Bollocks, we were just trying to get the Vox Pops. We are hoping to get talking to more wrestlers, but there was literally a thunder and lightning storm when we set up outside, which put the kibosh on that, so we quickly got Davey. And we just asked everyone, favourite wrestler? And they'd go, ooh, Blah blah blah, and Dave was like, "I can't really say." He was like, uh, "He was just naming everyone." He was like, "Misawa, Kabashi, Brett, Dynamite, Midar, Sean." Then, of course, you know Eddie Guerrero, and he goes, "He actually went Chris Benoit, Chris just from in ring," um, and then and it just moved on quickly, and we all just kind of went, "Oh, he said Benoit." <laughs> so, not long after his dad either, like. His- mm. But uh, talking of his dad, yeah, so uh, Davey hits hits Sid with a big clothesline, doesn't he? He does indeed. And then Owen and Bulldog start putting a shoe in on Sid with Clarence Mason watching with a plumb. Shawn Michaels, in casual attire, makes the save for his mate and sends the tag champs packing. Shawn and Sid have a little bit of a conflab post-match, a little bit of a conversation, but they're still mates, which is reassuring. It did, mm. it did get the energy that maybe they were falling out about something, but I couldn't quite make out what. Yeah, um, yes. 
Sean comes in. As I've got here, dressed as a barman. He slides in the ring, trips over Earl's foot, and then just proceeds to fucking batter Davy in the corner. He's just, he hits him with about 50 shots. He's like burying you here, mate. Um, but yeah, they, they, they stood tall. I don't know if if what it was meant to be was Sid kind of saying, I don't need your help, but it didn't really come across. But that aside, um, I liked it. It was a half-decent TV match. Owen made Sid look great. The DQ loss doesn't hurt anyone. If anything, Owen could have eaten a loss here, but I'm glad he didn't. And it was building the um, tension between Sid and Sean. So, yeah, I was a fan of this. You? I enjoyed it. I thought Sid looks great. Sid looks powerful. Uh, I think I would have probably... See, I don't know what it is. I feel like every time I see a Sid match, I feel like people get too much offense in on him. Mm. I feel like Owen got too much in on him. I didn't want to. Re- I don't like seeing Sid look weak. <laughs> but he is one of the tag team champions, so I'll kind of allow it. Yeah, that's a good shout. We'll we'll let yeah. them off on this occasion. Yeah. Uh, we get a recap of the buried alive match between the Undertaker and Mankind from last night, with stills courtesy of WWF magazine because they couldn't be fucked to send a photographer. Just grab these <laughs> horrible stills for the magazine and it won't be out of date in a month's time, I promise. Uh, yeah, good match. Watch the pay-per-view. Watch the replay. Dear God, please watch, watch the replay. Now, <laughs> smoking. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Guns are in action. They're facing the Godwins with pigs for the 700th time but Jim Ross has joined commentary now and he's complaining about the tech guy from last night's Buried Alive because the uh, mm. the his microphone his, his commentary mic ends up not working so he stormed off in a big huff uh, and promised that Bret Hart would be on Raw tonight and he has confirmed mm. that yes Bret is here in Fort Wayne and he will speak on Raw in a bit and my god will he speak and speak and speak uh, the pigs are squealing at ringside. Bless oh, them. One, yeah. Did you see the one pig that tried to make a run for it? Yeah. They weren't having a good day. No. But Phineas Godwin was very excited to be having a pig, but I think he got a bit overexcited and kind of G'd it up. And I was like, oh, poor little pig. Yeah. Um, the pig- I said the same, same thing as you when they started, though. You said smoking guns versus the Godwins for the thousandth time. I had a look on Cage Match. This is only their fourth match. Really? And it's only the... 
It's only the second time in traditional tag action. It just, but it just, I, they must have had singles or something because it feels like we have this match every week. It does feel like they have a match every week, doesn't it? Mm. Endless runs. It's obviously not the case. Uh, big mm. shout, by the way, to, uh, did you see who the pig wrangler was at ringside? I didn't know. Uh, the art role of pig wrangler for Raw went to Tony Chimmel. Hey. So Big Tony waiting one day for his big gig to announce the champions. Uh And he's doing every other job they give him until then. One of those is taking some pigs backstage. <laughs> God love Tony Chibble. Uh This is all four of the Guns Godwins matches, to be honest. Uh, the, the slight caveat here is the Guns have new jeans. Mm. Uh, Bart's don't fit quite well so I was on a bit of jocks watch for this one I think three or four times (laughs) he ends up having to adjust his jeans which was a nightmare when you're wrestling Uh, no I I wasn't on the jocks watch for this one end of this comes with Billy getting knocked off the apron by Bart who's whipped into the ropes and poof there goes Billy Bart eats a slop drop a big old slop drop for the three count and the guns look very upset afterwards so we're looking like we're getting a break up of the guns well, spoiler, I looked at when I was looking on Cage Match to see how many times they'd wrestled. Um, I saw that for this podcast, this is the last time we'll ever see the Smoking Guns as a tag team. No way, really? Yeah, they, they have one more televised match on Superstars. They continue as a team for the rest of the year on the house show circuit, but they just won't be featured again oh, as a team. jeez. Mm-hmm. Bloody hell, that's a shame. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. End of an ear roll. Yeah. And I I did notice at the end of it, because like you said, it was the crowd were quiet for this because it does feel like we've seen this match a thousand times because the tag scene is wafer thin. But at the end, when Billy was fuming, he looked the spit. Well, the other way around, Colton Gunn. I could just see Colton. I was like, bloody hell. He really looks like his son there, but really his son looks like him. <laughs> I think it's more the sun looks like him. There's shades yes. of Colton. Yes, I saw that with the disappointed look as well. Yeah. My God, imagine if the smoking guns had had the entrance that the gun lads had. I I'm a big fan of the young the younger guns. I think they're great. Um especially in the last like what, six, seven months, they've really grown into their role as just dickheads. And considering that I'm a huge fan of the original run, the New Age Outlaws, whose gimmick was, we are dickheads, I think it's really, really, yeah, I think they've got a, a high ceiling. A very high ceiling. And and mm. it was nice to see a little shade of, shade of Durder, or shade of, of the younger, the younger gun in Durder in this one. <laughs> I wonder how Billy will do now he is a solo wrestler. I'm sure he'll be shit and Bart Gun will be the best one. What do you reckon? Um, I also think that, and um, I don't think they will give Billy a really crap gimmick and the honky-tonk man as a manager at all. <laughs> Barter Billy, it's kind of got a ring to it. Yes, rock a bart <laughs> Christ. Rock a bart all night long. The Hall of Fame is coming into Survivor Series weekend, and we know that mm-hmm. Pat Patterson, Jimmy Snooker, and Vincent J. McMahon will be this year's inductees. I was trying to remember without cheating if we get more, and I think we do. I want to say that we do, only because, peeking behind the curtain, on cultaholic.com, we put quizzes out a few times a week and Aiden always sends them to me first to see how I do um, 
because I can't remember what I had for lunch last week, but I can remember who the 15th European champion was or something like that. I find that funny. I'm the same. When I do those quizzes, I go, how did I forget my keys this morning? But yeah, here I am recalling everybody that has faced Triple H on pay-per-view. But one one of them was uh, Hall of Fame inductees. And I remember, I think it is like at least, I want to say about five or six each year for the early ones. So there's a few more to come, which we will observe as we get closer to it. Mr. Perfect is warming up backstage. He is wearing a lovely 90s tracksuit top that looks like it's probably still on a landfill somewhere. (laughs) Still trying to decompose. Which is a shame because I'd well wear that. It was amazing. Mate, do you know what? No lie. It did cross my mind. This was something that you'd probably wear. (laughs) Well, I'm happy now, aren't I? Now that this heat wave's over because we're entering jacket season again. As you know, I'm a fan of a jacket and or a coat. Bloody love a jacket. I can't wait. I said to Alex the other day, I said, I can't wait for me and you to put on big jumpers and go into town and get a nice mulled wine somewhere. Yeah. I, I, I get excited for that possibility. Like, I'm looking forward to, because because I am older than Aidan Gibbons, um, the third Kenneth Branagh uh, Poirot film is out soon. It is! Uh, but I was just hoping for it to be colder, because I was saying to Sean, I was like, I want to watch that, and I want to have a hot chocolate. And she was like, why don't you just wait till it comes out on streaming, maybe before Christmas? I was like, maybe. <laughs> Ooh, maybe. But then I quite like going to the cinema, you know, on a nice cool evening, and going to see it. Yeah. Well, we'll have to we'll, we'll see how, we'll see how our schedules line up but who knows uh, I, I would never go to a party that featured Poirot if Poirot was a guest I wouldn't go oh no I'd be like sorry lads um, babysitter's called the dog's doing magic tricks see you later because you know that someone's going to get hurt <laughs> and it might even be someone's you g- yeah so and if you don't get hurt the finger of suspicion will be upon thee <laughs> I do not want to get a finger from Cluso um <laughs> So Perfect was in his Jack Orlando special backstage doing his squat warm-ups when all of a sudden here's Hunter Hearst Helmsley to drive a wheelie travel case into the legs of Mr. Perfect. No! Be gutted if he can't wrestle on his return tonight because his hair is extra super noodly today. I'm perfect being perfect. As soon as he's lying on the floor, he's like, oh, God damn it. And I was like, oh, Vince is probably tearing his hair out of that now as well. <laughs> That's another swear for him to get rid of. <laughs> it's like, oh, care, you bastard. Well, I'm so sad that Mr. Perfect seems legit hurt. What a terrible thing to do, but I'm sure it'll all work out in a very sensible way. Uh, Steve Austin. Little highlight of him from Livewire, ranting and raving about being left in the green room and then talking about how the, about the time he went to the heart dungeon and beat up the entire heart family. <laughs> Just Austin being Austin. He, he called someone a jabroni as well. I was enjoying. Oh, um, you know, but we know, but as we're about to find out, we know who we got that from. The Iron Sheik. That's correct. <laughs> Because he worked with the Sultan in a minute. Right, now, Orlando, I know you're a Brett guy. We're going to have different opinions on this. I knew this watching this. I'm ready. To, okay, let's, 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 <laughs> let's bite down on this mystery pie. Uh, JR in the ring welcomes the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, Brett the Hitman Hart. Here comes hey. Brett Hart in his jeans. His grey shirt, his sunglasses tucked into the top. Every bit, just a dad at a theme park. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've got here he's dressed like 90s Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> and 90s Ozzy Osbourne looked like Anthea Turner. <laughs> Bret Hart says he missed everybody. He then talks in a very slow cadence about a rival wrestling organization that made him a great offer and dealt with him with integrity. This gets booed and then silence. But as he's contemplating his next move, the camera goes to the locker room where everybody's gathered around the TV monitor waiting to see what Bret Hart does next. Steve Austin sat front and center because Steve Austin has spent weeks calling out Bret Hart. So he's keen to know what Bret's going to do. Brian Pillman, just next to Steve Austin, who's also been heavily involved in all of this. There's a few other characters around the sides. Savio Vega is there. Salvatore Sincere. But as the camera pans all the way to the back, right at the very front of the shots, who do we see, Jackie Orlando? It is. And I'm not sure if this is his on-screen debut in total or just his raw debut. It's the fucking Rock. It's fucking <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson making his Monday Night Raw debut. Chewing gum sat stood next to Salvatore Sincere. Sideburns the lot. I had to, I watched this through and I was writing notes and I stopped and I was like, "That's not him, surely. That's not." And then I rewound it and I went, "Yeah, maybe he's a little bit bigger." can't be him it's probably somebody else then i went oh no no he's closer and the camera's in such a way where he looks bigger i was like and i just i just print screened the 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 shot and sent it to you jackie and i went is that who i think it is and you went yes it is it's the fucking rock the rock just backstage hasn't debuted on wwf television at all he's had a few dark matches to give him a run out but we've not we've not seen rocky Maivia yet like this no. is his day de- this is his wwf televised debut i wonder if he I-, I should have checked to see if he worked at these tapings then whether in a dark match or whatever because as we know starting soon the rocky Maivia experiment is going to begin but when we were doing the research for this, I was actually 10 minutes ahead of you. We were watching this at the same time. <laughs> so 10 minutes before you sent me that, I went, is that the fucking rock? And then you sent me that saying, is this who I think it is? I was like, yes, Tom, it is. Wow. It is. Yes, it is. He's here. Unbelievable. Oh, he's bloody here. <laughs> he is bloody here. But next time we see him, presumably, we'll be at Survivor Series. Now, in terms of The mm. Observer, I read through The Observer and their and their report on this on this taping because we I think we get two episodes of Raw taped here. Um, they do that thing where they do a live one and then either side of the live one you get part one and part two of the following week's one. Yes. Keep people guessing. Rock didn't feature in any of the matches. Okay. So presumably maybe he's back here and they know they're going to debut him at Survivor Series. So maybe back here getting a feel for things, maybe getting some photos taken, getting ring attire tried on, maybe having some time in the ring before the show starts. Maybe. Um, but yep, yeah, there we go. The Rock has made his debut. Finally, The Rock has arrived on Monday Night Raw. And there's 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 weird serendipity in him making his debut with Steve Austin next to him. Yeah, I'd say after Triple H, his greatest rival. I think Triple H is his main rival for me, but then Austin a close second. But then it's also the weirdness of seeing The Rock, you know, in basically a segment with Bret Hart and Brian Pillman because. I don't think Rock and Pillman will ever wrestle, and I know for sure he wouldn't wrestle Brett. 
I think maybe there are interactions because the Nation and the Heart Foundation in '97 will have of course, some, yeah, some yeah. brief run-ins, but yeah. then neither of them are the main target at any point for each other. If you see what I mean, yeah. But very possibly, um, they will interact in some way. Uh, certainly, Salvatore Sincere will. Uh, Sal- yeah. <laughs> Sincere does de- does wrestle on this show. He will wrestle a debutant, which we'll talk about next week. Ooh, okay. It's not the rock. Okay. Oh. Back to the Brett promo. He is soul-searched and decided to stay in the WWF, and Vince genuinely looks about 10 stone lighter from this Yeah, reveal. because before the cut to the back, it did a long close-up of Vince McMahon kind of grimacing, just like, I don't know what he's going to say here. And obviously, I was like, oh, this is kind of unfortunate, weird foreshadowing. But as we went over with the Observer um, article, even though he'd signed, it still wasn't... I, I don't think it was 100% in Vince's mind that he definitely had Brett back until he said it on TV. Exactly. So, so it was... But therefore, he was relieved for that reason. Now he knows he mm. said it. So that really should be the end of the segment. Nice, short, sweet done the bit brett's back way but it's not because brett then goes on to address losing the iron man match at wrestlemania and witters on for a bit but goes on to say there's something about Shawn michaels that bugs him but says that Shawn michaels may be a lot of things but you'll never be as tough or as smart as him vince mcmahon on commentary very quietly nervously disagrees with both statements Oh, yeah, because I didn't couldn't make out what Vince said, but you could hear him chunner and just like he says. Well, he says Shawn Michaels would definitely be as tough as me, and Brett go, and Vince goes, "Well, I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't know about that, Brett." And then he says he's not as smart as me, and Vince goes, "Well, that might be up for debate, but I don't know, maybe he is." I mean, <laughs> Vince is Vince is in a real fucking hard place here, and Vince should have really just shut up. But Vince is like, I need to be seen to be defending Sean because Sean's going to be yeah. livid when he hears this. Because uh, <laughs> you can argue, you can argue that Sean was smarter in terms of he played the game and the politics better. But in terms of toughness, like fuck is Sean anywhere near as tough as Sean's had the toughest schedule any champions ever had ever. Yeah, but we also know that every time they'll have legitimate fights backstage, Bret Hart will whip the piss out of him. <laughs> Bret then just takes a little dig at Shawn Michaels in a very creative way because he said he's been slagging, not slagging off, but he's been really needling Shawn for the last minute or so. And then he says mm. that he will take on the best wrestler in the WWF today at the Survivor Series. There he goes. And that is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, backstage, Pillman is delighted. Austin looks disgusted. I think Austin's suddenly gone, ah, shit, here they come. All the consequences to my actions. Huge pop when he says he'll take on Stone Cold, though. Yeah, big old pop. Yeah. Madison Square Garden, says Bret Hart. It's not a church, but it's holy ground. Long pause. And when we get to Madison Square Garden, we'll see who kicks whose ass at the Survivor Series. Like nearly a full great section of a promo, but it just wanders <laughs> off mentally. There was one thing missing about WWF in the last few months, and that's me. Pop. So this has been an adventure so far. This promo. Uh, he's talked about getting a nice offer from another company, but then deciding to stay. 
He's made some digs at Shawn Michaels that's upset Vince. He's then made a half nice comment about Madison Square Garden being a holy ground. He's then gone, I'm brilliant, I am. And then... That should have been it. Yeah, there's another, definitely should have been it. There's another great yeah. out there. Another great out. Okay, the first out was better when he went, I'm staying. Bye. That would have been great. He could have ended on Madison Square Gardens on a church, but it's holy ground. And we'll see who kicks whose ass at Survivor Series. That's a great out. No! Brett fucking done. Okay. I got to go home and spend a lot of time with my family. There's this one little boy in Canada who worshipped me, and I'm his biggest hero. The little boy, one day, he got real sick, and it took a matter of few hours, and he became the sickest little boy in Canada. I promised his little boy, on his last legs, if he pulled out of that, if he kicked out, he'd come out of retirement. And as soon as he heard it, he started to come out of it. Anyway, he died. And that little boy was my nephew. Anyway... I'm coming back anyway, because I promised I would. I'm going to give wrestling fans somebody they can look up to. He then says, I don't pose for girly books, but I'm the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, and I'm back. Fucking yikes. Fuck, and that's the out at last. Fuck me. What? Bret Hart, uh... the human equivalent of a meeting that could have been an email. Uh, I'm going to shock you, Tom. I enjoyed oh! this. Oh! <laughs> Fuck off! How? This was just... I will say, the end bit talking about his nephew, he definitely should have finished before that. Um, I think by inserting the Stone Cold bits backstage, it kept it fresher, slightly fresher than it would have been otherwise. <laughs> Brett was a bit Brett, but the bits I enjoyed of it were him just not just coming back, even though, you know, he's, he's Bret Hart for, for all the best world in the world. He's not the most charismatic man, but he did have a couple of flashes when he was like needling Sean. And there was a couple of bits of him basically rather than being like, Oh, he did the whole thanks to my fans kind of milk toast baby face. But he was also saying, yeah, but I'm, I'm really fucking good. I'll batter everyone. And Stone Cold will fight. I was like, I kind of liked that edge from him. I can understand that everyone who isn't a massive Bret Hart fan would think this was shite. I can understand that. But personally, it's, I was looking for the positives. And I think as well, using my clairvoyant powers, knowing what's to come, I think I was seeing little bits that will get branched off and it's made me excited. But if you say that this is the worst thing you've ever heard, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to try and combat you on that because, in the terms of a wrestling promo, it wasn't great. But it's Brett, and I like Brett. Now I will say it isn't the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I've heard much worse. <laughs> Brett Hart promos, in general, for me, I find them, I find very wittery, very mm. rambly. And I don't think he has, for all the great things that Bret Hart has, I don't think he has that sort of gravitas that you need to land a promo. I don't think Mm. he just doesn't. He just talks like, like a sports person talks. He has that, you know, you know, you're never going to get a promo out of a Declan Rice. You're never going to get a promo out of, um, out of, um, 
Harry Kane. Out of Harry Kane. You're never going to get a promo <laughs> out, of any, out of the Lionesses, but you're going to get fantastic sporting achievement. And then when there's a microphone in front of them, they'll talk very calmly and meekly about strategy. And Brett is one of those guys where I feel like they're always trying to push him to be more of a sports entertainment promo. So he kind of does what he is encouraged to do. But because he's not feeling it, it doesn't land in the same way mm. that it would assure Michael's one. Um, there were great lines in there. There were great lines in there. Like, I, my favorite, and it's one that will get used in promos, Madison Square Garden. It's not a church, but it's holy ground. I love that line. So yeah. good. The, the, the Shawn Michaels thing, I mean, I, one would think they're laying the foundation for a Shawn Brett match here. But it's delivered in such a, in such a, not convoluted, but it's just a very confusing, meandering manner. Yeah. That you don't, you don't bite on it in the same way. Like, he gets the, Austin gets the big pop, challenging Austin gets the big pop because we know what that means. And that story about his nephew, like. It was unnecessary. It felt like something that fucking david brent from the office would do yeah. you know and it was the. i mean i started to get better and then he died um like what again it's just that lack of awareness of what you're doing and like yeah. no sense of structure or form and i yeah do you know what i'm critique you might listen to this thinking yeah i'm over critiquing this but then we critique wrestling matches in the similar way mm -hmm. and promos are a big part of that whole package and you'll probably listen to this and go, and I see where some people come from with Bret Hart and they go, the fact that he doesn't talk like a wrestler makes him more interesting. It makes him better. But then if he's going to just not talk like a wrestler, don't give him wrestler-based diatribe to read out yeah. because then it just sounds even worse to me. You know? Get him to say less. Well, I've come to find with working with you that we are our, our taste of wrestling are two sides of the same coin so what you were saying there about him being like a sportsman that's why I like Brett and that's what I like in my wrestling so yeah that is probably why it landed with me but for you to say it didn't land with you that's like I said it's not even perfectly valid it's a, an endorsed critique of him because like you said some bits of this didn't land like the stuff of his nephew didn't land but I'm just happy to have Brett back. <laughs> but it's and, and one thing I will say, yeah, it's great to have Brett back, and I think he's a he's a good force to have there. And it's great that he's working mm. with Steve Austin and all of this stuff. Uh, and it's he will just be a good force to have backstage, without a doubt. And I'm yeah. sure it'll all end fine. And don't forget, we've got some we've got some good Brett Hart Mike moments coming up. Oh yes, we certainly have. <laughs> when he's on and when directed in just the right way, he's fantastic. Um, that's to look for. I have a feeling that this also caused a headache backstage because judging mm. by the way that the, the final segment goes down, I feel like this went over. Oh, okay. so I'll give my theory on when we get to it. But before that, the Karate Fighters Tournament is back for another year. Hey. Uh, Jerry Lawler's disqualified because he cheated last year because he put a little bit of sellotape on the guy's leg. I can't believe the WWF are actually calling back to a storyline and the storyline they're calling back to is Jerry Lawler cheating at fucking karate <laughs> yeah. fighters. It's the only story that matters. It's the only story that matters. Uh, Bob Backlund in the opening round of the Karate Fighters tournament will face Sonny despite the fact he's complaining about women competing in a toy <laughs> tournament. 
Uh, it's mixed tags all the way. Doc Hendricks taking on Sable. Sid will face Marlena, but Mr. Perfect will face Phineas Godwin. I believe that Perfect has too many women in his wife mind, so he has to face a man. Oh, he's got thousands, yeah. Too many. So we'll get the Karate Fighter sponsorship. Shame that you're so far away, because otherwise we could play Karate Fighter still, because I believe it's still in our cupboard. Yeah, it should still be we'll there. We'll keep it there for one day next time you're here. It'd be lovely. <laughs> we come to our main event. Of the evening on Monday Night Raw, Mr. Perfect's in-ring return against Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Uh, Hunter already in the ring, and here comes Mr. Perfect. Uh, walking out ahead of him is Mark Merrow. Sable is on Perfect's left, and Gorilla Monsoon is behind them. What a strange entourage. Mm. Anyway, as he gets into the ring, Jim Ross jumps in and asks what's going on since Mark Merrow is in his ring attire. Mr. Perfect, who has been limping all his way out here, dare I add, uh, is injured. Gorilla Monsoon says the doctor has banned him from wrestling, but Merrow has offered to wrestle Helmsley instead. Helmsley says he'll only do it if the intercontinental title is on the line. And after a little bit of cajoling, but not much, Mero is up for it. And so after the break, we get an intercontinental title match between Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Mark Mero. Now, the reason I believe that the, the heart thing went on too long is because they all come out together. Ah, right. Okay. I feel like if they'd had the time, you'd have had Perfect come out on his own, limping, get that full pop as a man, not like a man standing alone, and then have him bring out Mark Mero. Yeah. To replace him. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. Would look cool. But one thing I noticed here did you notice that Hunter Hearst Helmsley didn't have his little plait in his hair? He just had his hair loose. And he doesn't have his accent anymore. Oh. I did not notice that. Uh, yeah, no. he was just. Yeah. Mm. So I was like, oh, hmm. It's all, it's all falling into place. It's all falling into place. That is ex- so. Yeah. So we're we're starting. We're nearly getting try. <laughs> try. <laughs> Tell them try. <laughs> Things that didn't quite land. Yeah. Triple H becomes try for a week. Try. That's a good time. It's a good day. Right. <laughs> so, icy title match. It's perfect on the ringside outside a commentary. Staying ringside on the commentary table uh, with Mark Merrow defending against Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Merrow on form against Hunter until Hunter lands a tilt a whirl. Uh, we get uh, some great back and forth with these two. Merrow getting a very near fall off a Merrow salt, but the referee gets knocked down shortly afterwards. Helmsley goes to use a steel chair. And Mr. Perfect, uh, so he starts fighting with Sable over the steel chair. But here comes Mr. Perfect to save the day. Rips the chair away from Helmsley. And clatters Mark Merrow. What? Sable, doing a big cry, watches as Helmsley pins Mark Merrow post-pedigree and becomes the Intercontinental Champion. He and Mr. Perfect embrace as Raw goes off the air. There is a special catchphrase, Jack Atkins, that Matthew Gregg and I use for Triple H-based bollocks on the Cultaholic Classics Smackdown review, and I've never used it on here before, but it goes a bit like this. <laughs> it was a setup all along! <laughs> this was... The word... I hate this! I hated this. Did you? I'll tell you why. Right, Triple H thinks he is the cleverest fucking dickhead on planet Earth, right? Because he loves, and I swear to God he has, say, creative at this point, because he loves these 
convoluted story setups that lead to a twist but the twists are always shit they're like m night shamrock because in order to get to the twist you have to do things that are that that shouldn't happen okay for example so are you telling me are you fucking telling me i'll say this and i'll shut up i promise are you fucking telling me that hunter herself he went all right mr perfect you want to come back i've got a plan right turn up and over a space of two months just keep stealing my valets and i'll be all cross with you then mark Mero can maybe get in there as well and make sure you're on his side then I'll challenge you to a match, and then the just before the match, I'll hit you with a with a with a suitcase with a with a with a case. Then you tell Mark Marrow to come out with you because you're mates now, and you've helped him win the intercontinental title as we planned. You come out with him, say, "Oh, I'm too hurt, too injured to wrestle." Obviously, we'll have to convince a doctor that you are injured. So I will really hit you with the case, right? <laughs> so then you have the match. At some point, I'll make sure I accidentally knock a referee down. <laughs> I'll then go and get a chair. And just as I'm about to hit him with the chair, you step in and take the chair. And then you hit him with the chair. What a plan. He won't see it coming. <laughs> It's when shit. You, when you put it like that, yes. It is shit. This is but. the Triple H getting bitten by a rattlesnake thing all over again. And while I agree, shit. in 1996, this is the first time we're seeing it. Shit. I like Oh, it. no. Oh, You've changed because. this go to Wembley. Mainly because, and we all know that I think Mark Marrow is one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time, sure. but he feels like a man out of time in 1996 WWF. I think putting the title onto Triple H, the, they've course corrected because that's where they wanted to be. And it was a beautiful fucking chair shot from Mr. Perfect. Let's not get that, it, get that mixed was. up. Like, like you said, convoluted as balls. Yes. And I am dreading when we are in our 60s and finally in 2003 Raw era where it is just the Triple H being an arsehole show every week. I'm not looking forward to that. But in 1996, I don't mind it. <laughs> yeah, it's new. So as you said, it's not happened before. But my God, it's just... Mm. Do you remember when it was revealed that Bully Ray was the leader of Aces at Eights? Yeah. And they literally had to take an entire episode of TNA Impact to reveal how convoluted it fucking was. Yeah. I yes, I plan to wrestle this match and lose and get beaten up. Fuck off. The the only right, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my powers of John Riley and Kayfabe <laughs> a bit more. In Kayfabe, I think Perfect came back saw something in Triple H and thought, right, need to get these women away from him. Kept taking them, kept taking them, and then one day went, right, dickhead, get your eyes off the women and on the prize. We, c I can take you to the top of the Intercontinental title scene. Just follow my lead, not bad. And we'll have to do some farting around with Tim White, but <laughs> trust me. That feels like a far less convoluted plan than the one I thought they had. 
still convoluted, still but convoluted, slightly more palatable. But slightly yeah. less convoluted. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, we know how this goes next week, and it, it confuses us even more, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. But hey, yeah. either way, we have a new Intercontinental Champion. You're absolutely on the money. This was the course that they steered back onto. This was the path they have rejoined with Hunter Hearst Helmsley mm-hmm. as the king of the mid-card and Shawn Michaels as king of the, king of the main event. The click, well and truly, are in charge of WWF television. And long may but, there's, a, there's four titles in the WWF right now. Two are held by the click, two are held by the Har Foundation. Oh... And Brett's back. So that'll be, it's going to be a spicy 12 months. Yeah. And everyone going, don't like you, you're shit, lol. <laughs> Behind- and we're going to be sitting here, we're going to be sitting here going, it's going to not get better than this. It's going to stay pretty much <laughs> at this level, but we know that this is going to come to an end. Can this not last long? When I came onto this podcast, just after SummerSlam 1995, I could not wait until we got to the end of 96, beginning of 97. And now we're here. I fear that it's going to go by too quickly. So So we will enjoy the journey that we are on. Let me wallow in it. (laughs) And we will wallow until next week in 1996 for the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Anything you want to plug? Um... If you haven't watched it already, watch me talking with Dave Melter and Brian Alvarez on uh, Cultaholic's YouTube channel uh, and the All In vlog. Um, a special shout out to, obviously, Jack King, but um, my beautiful boy Luke Osborne and Pierce Graffin, who were the MVPs of the weekend. Because um, heading into it, I thought we... Because Luke like dove on it and was like right this is happening this is happening this is happening and I first thought we're going to get stretched too thinly but he played a blinder and the amount of stuff we got through Luke's due diligence and pre-planning we got tons done that weekend so yeah shout out to uh, Luke and Pierce especially ah special love for the the whole Coldsholic team we're good people mm. we're made a good we're made a good people yeah you know, it takes a village it takes a village uh, and I, I'm the king of the you village. You are the king of the village. And you, for listening to this, <laughs> is the king of our hearts. And we'll be back next week. And for the latest wrestling news throughout the week, you can check out cultaholic.com. He is at Brat Atkins on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. We're at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Brett's promo was shit. Don't at me. Except if you ask Brack Atkins, in which case he'll agree. Love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Thanks very much for a hard-fought podcast. Oh, you twat. (laughs) (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 